Welcome to Greensburg Baptist Church. We welcome our church family and also our visiting friends. Thank you for coming to worship with us. To find out more about Greensburg Baptist Church, our upcoming events, and other church activities, visit our website anytime at greensburgbaptist.com. Have you ever wondered, does prayer make any difference? Does prayer change things? Right? Have you ever had moments maybe where you spent time in prayer and it seemed like things didn't even get better, instead they seemingly got worse? And you just had moments where just prayer has become dry to you, like it's just going through the motions, or you're just doing it to be doing it, or it just feels numb, or there's nothing there. I, I want, or my hope in prayer today is that we come to Isaiah 36, and specifically to Isaiah 37, that it provides strength. It gives encouragement. It, it fills you with hope. There's some sort of joy. There's an excitement, a passion again to begin praying and crying out to God as we see and we hear from God's Word that prayer brings the victory of God. Prayer brings the victory of God. As you make your way to Isaiah 36, it's about 700 B.C., 701 B.C. specifically is where our text is going to be today. Judah is, again, facing the world power of Assyria, who is threatening to come down their throats. You're going to hear some of their threats today. They're pretty nasty. And they're beginning to have to realize, who are we going to rely upon? And what Hezekiah the king does is, is that he simply goes to God in prayer. And what we see from the text, and who you're going to hear from is, someone's going to tell you, that prayer brings the victory of God. I want you to be listening for that. So pick up in the wood, Isaiah 36, beginning of verse 1. In the 14th year of King Hezekiah, again, somewhere around 701 B.C., Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and took them. And so literally he's marching through the northern kingdom of Israel, coming down toward the southern kingdom. They're taking some of the cities, right, some of these fortified places, and they're beginning to surround God's holy city, the city of Jerusalem. And the Rabshakeh, that's a pretty cool name, right? Rabshakeh. Um, and the Rabshakeh, so it, it indicates some type of... Possibly a cupbearer, a prince, someone very important, significant, um, that is going as a representative of the king. So it's a title being given. And the Rabshakeh said to them, Say to Hezekiah, Thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, On what do you rest this trust of yours? Some of you need to answer that today. Like, Where do you rest this trust of yours? This hope that you have of, of eternal life, where do you rest that? Do you think that mere words are strategy and power for war? In whom do you now trust that you have rebelled against me? Again, he's asking, where's your reliance? Where's your reliance for you today when things go really bad in your life? Where is your reliance at? Where is your place of faith? Where is your place of trust? What happens in the moments of life when you try that treatment plan? That treatment plan doesn't work. What happens when you start giving the church, but instead of finances getting better, things just keep getting financially worse? What happens when you pray and cry out to God and that relationship seems to just keep falling apart? Might you need to answer the question today that Rabshakeh is asking the people of Judah. In whom do you now trust? 
And whom do you now trust? Looks at what he says here further. Pick it up, verse 8, kind of fast forwarding. Come now, make a wager with my master, the king of Assyria, begins to mock them. I will give you 2,000 horses if you are able on your part to set riders on them. He says, listen, I'll help you out. You need horses? I'll give you horses. Just come fight me. Right? You ever had people taunt you? I remember like with my big brother sometimes. They're like, come on, dude. I'll whip you with my hands behind my back. Some of you ever had that? Right? You ever experienced that? Right? Come on. I'll take you one hand behind my back or whatever. Right? But he's just kind of mocking them. Right? That big brother. That, that bully type mentality. How then can you repulse a single captain among the least of my master's servants when you trust in Egypt for chariots and for horsemen? Moreover, it is without the Lord that I have come up against this land to destroy it. Moreover, is it without the Lord that I have come up against this land to destroy it? The Lord said to me, go up against this land to destroy it. Now, in Isaiah chapter 10, we hear from the Lord speaking. He speaks of Assyria. He says they're the rod of my anger, right? The, the wrath of my fury. And God, in verse 6 of Isaiah 10, is, is, is sending out Assyria to bring judgment upon the nations. But the king of Assyria and his great pride is beginning to overstep his boundaries and beginning to assume things that the Lord has not said. He is guilty of some bad exegesis and interpretation of God's word. And so listen to what he says as his threats continue. Then Eliakim, Shebna, and Joah said to the Rabshakeh, please speak to your servants in Aramaic for we understand it. Say, listen, Talk to us in Aramaic, right? So we'll hear and understand, but don't speak in the language of everyone or else around the wall, right? Because all the people are standing around kind of listening, hearing this guy come, and they're saying, would you speak the language that only we know? Listen to what he says here. Listen to when they say, do not speak to us in the language of Judah within the hearing of the people who are on the wall. But the Rabshakeh said, has my master sent me to speak these words to your master and to you and not to the men sitting on the wall? And listen to this threat. This is intense. Who are doomed with you, look what he says, to eat their own dung and drink their own urine. That's a pretty intense threat. The threat is ultimately, listen, we're going to come in and we're going to starve you out. Right, we're going to starve you out. And so they may set up all kinds of siege works ultimately to come in over the walls or through the walls or whatever. But they're going to set up so that people cannot go out and harvest their crops. They're going to starve them to death. That's the threat. We're going to starve you guys out. And then we're going to slaughter you. Listen to what happens though as the text unfolds. Verse 16. Do not listen to Hezekiah. Right? Hezekiah is, is, is the king. He's encouraging the people. They're not to answer. Right? So the people don't respond back. He says, do not listen to Hezekiah. For thus says the king of Assyria, make your peace with me and come out to me. Listen to the invitation here. Make peace with me. Then, he says, each one of you will eat of his own vine, each one of you his own fig tree, and each, of you, each one of you will drink the water of his own cistern. And then this fateful word here, verse 17, what is it? Until. Listen, you, you, you make this deal with me. You'll eat of your own vine, your own fig tree. You'll drink of the water of your own well, right? I mean, there could be a lot of things at play here. I mean, of indicating, listen, things will be well. I, I can, I can bring peace. If you'll make this deal with me, I, I can bring peace back to your life. Until. Right? The counterfeit blessing can only last so long. 
Right? I mean, you, you can cheat on that exam for so long. And, and listen, the report card may come back. It may look well. Right? I mean, you, you can so long deceive the IRS and your fig tree. You just keep seemingly enjoying it. This drinking the water of his own sister in the word of the Proverbs uses that to speak of a relationship between a, a husband and a wife. There's times when you think you can drink away from your other wells that are not your spouse. But I want you to know, he says, listen, ultimately the scriptures reminding us that's eating of the devil's bread until there's going to come an until there's going to come a moment when that's going to change. That blessing won't last forever. It's not the true blessing of God until until I come and take you away to a land like your own land, a land of grain and wine, a land of bread and vineyards. All of these that he's pulling here are promises that God has made to his people. But they're just not from God. I'm fearful that some of you maybe are looking for your love in all the what? Wrong places. You're looking for your blessings other places other than the cross, other than in Christ, other than experiencing this true joy, this true peace, this true hope that only Christ can bring. And if you step outside of that, listen, there may be a season that you enjoy that vine, you enjoy that fig tree, you enjoy drinking from those other wells, but there's going to come an until. It's temporary. And it's going to come to an end. Beware lest Hezekiah mislead you by saying the Lord will deliver us. Verse 18. Has any of the gods of the nations delivered his land out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Sepharvaim? Have they delivered Samaria out of my hand? Who among all the gods of these lands have delivered their lands out of my hand? That the Lord should deliver Jerusalem out of my hand. We might say them's fighting words. He says, your God is like all other gods. That's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, your God's just like all other gods. You pray to God, what's the difference between praying to him or to Muhammad or to Buddha or whomever, Confucius? I mean, listen, what's the difference between your God and any other God? He's just like every other God. They couldn't save. Why do you think Jesus is different? Well, we don't have time today, but as you look maybe in your text there, Isaiah chapter 37, Hezekiah hears these. He tears his clothes and covers himself with sackcloth. He begins to go to the house of the Lord and the prophet Isaiah, he shares with the prophet Isaiah these words and the prophet says, listen, God is going to bring judgment. God is going to send out Assyria, right? He's going to turn them around and send them back. He's going to cause a rumor. And But even after all these rumors, then guess what? There's more threats from Assyria and they're threatening to come again. We're going to come and annihilate you. And I want to pick up now verses 14 through 21 and kind of focus us here at the closing parts of Isaiah chapter 37. So let's let's spend the majority of our time here today. Again, kind of just setting the context of what all's happening for this moment of prayer. So again, the threats come and you, you can hear some of those as you look through verses 9 through about verse 13 and then Hezekiah receives the letter from the hand of the messengers. Again, these, these threats. And he reads it. And this is what he does. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah does what? He prayed to whom? To the Lord. I remember Miss Francis, right, singing 
take your cares to the burden or take your burdens to the Lord and what? Leave them there. Some of you need to hear God's word, hearing the moment in which you're facing some things. You just need to come and just spread it out before the Lord. Say, Lord, here it is. Here's what I'm facing, God. Here's what we've been through. Here's what's happened in our life in the last few months or the last few years. God, here's this person that I've been trying to walk beside and love on and care for. But God, I cannot shelter this burden. God, I'm loving on them. I'm encouraging them. But God, what they face, it's too great for them and it's too great for me. Some of you just need to come today and just spread that out before God and say, God, here it is and here am I. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. Hear this. Again, you've had moments where you've wondered, does prayer make any difference? Does God truly hear? Does God even care? Hear this today. Sink your teeth here. Rest here. Anchor here. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. Listen to things. Somebody begins to pray. O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see and hear all the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to mock the living God. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria, they have laid waste all the nations and their lands, and they've cast their gods in the fire, for they were no gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone, therefore they were destroyed. So now, O Lord, our God, save us from his hand. Listen when he prays here. That, why would God, why is he praying for God to save? That, he says, look here, all the kingdoms of the earth may know what? That you alone are the Lord. Yeah, just like that. Thank you. That's perfect timing. That you alone are the Lord. Just like that. And then listen to these words. Then Isaiah, the son of Amaz, sent to Hezekiah saying, Thus says who? You must hear this today. You must hear this today. Verse 14, Hezekiah went and prayed. You've wondered, does God hear? Does He care? Do my prayers make any difference? You've wondered that. You've been there. Some of you are right now in the midst of that season. Then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah saying, Thus says whom? The Lord. Thus says, look what he says here, The Lord, the God of Israel. This word here, listen to this. This is huge. Because you have what? You have prayed to me concerning Sennacherib, king of Assyria. And he's going to begin to explain. What you have here in 701 B.C. is a moment in which things appear set in history. And because one man began to cry out to the only God, God stepped in and changed history. You must not forget this for your family. You must drive that stake there. This God can change your family. Because your prayers to a holy, mighty God, He can transform it. One man. What if it was one child in here today that heard these words and began to cry out for their Sunday school teacher, their classmates at school? That God began to bring a sweeping movement of His Spirit in your Sunday school class. Began to fill up your teacher. Began to transform your teacher at school. 
begin to transform classmates, a coach? What if you as a child begin to pray, a student begin to pray for that coach, that parent that points into that music teacher? What if you as a spouse begin to cry out to God for your spouse? Just one. You just begin to pray. What if someone here today began to pray for this church? Pray for Sunday mornings that when we gather, God's presence would be near, that His Spirit would do the work that a thousand men and women could never do in a thousand lifetimes. That God in one moment would begin to move on the hearts of the people. What if there was one here, one faithful saint, one widow, one shut-in maybe who's listening here and say, listen, I would love to come, but I can't, but I can be a part of laboring for that church in deep prayer. What if there was just one here today who believed that? Who heard this word and says, God, if you will hear and answer the prayers of Hezekiah in 701 B.C., God, might you hear me today in 2018, 2019. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, because you have prayed. We took up our offering recently for Lottie Moon and international missions. We do it each Christmas. And I want you to hear these words Lottie's sister had already gone, making her way there toward Asia, China. And she writes these words to her sister. Listen to them. I cannot convince myself that it is the will of heaven that you shall not come. True, you are doing a noble work at home. But are there not some who could fill your place? Listen to this. I don't know anyone who could fill the place offered you here? Have you begun to think about the nations? Is God calling you? I'm not saying just simply as missionaries, some of you, listen, you can go and you could take your medical practice and you could go to a nations and begin to help. Some of you are teachers or some of you here again as, as high school students, you're beginning to wonder and think, what might I do? And listen, maybe God would take you to do ESL, English as a second language. You could take it to another nation. They're going to welcome you in to help equip, to train. And you share the gospel and begin to live the gospel as engineers. As, listen, as accountants, as different things, as you take the gifts and the abilities God's blessed you with, that you would go simply listen, not only just a call to missionaries, but to all people here. That all of you again, listen, I hear how terrifying that is. I think about my four. Listen, what might it be for them to leave this country and go? But is this gospel not worth it? Is those who are perishing apart from this gospel, is it not worth it taking your lives to go? I don't know anyone who could fill the place offered you here. When it comes to prayer, maybe it's just some things of practicality. Martin Luther, again, the man who nailed the 95 Theses to the, the church door as the Reformation began to take place, which affects where you are today and worshiping how you worship. When it came time for prayer, it's just some practical things. One, determine the point. Why are you praying? Right? Hezekiah is praying that God would save them. So why are you praying? He's praying that all the earth would know that he is truly the Lord. Praise God for those truths that you pray to a God who can save. You pray to a God who can transform things. Who can truly hear. There's a God that all people may know. 
Confess your failings regarding it, number three. Maybe just some moments of just saying, God, I've not really been a part of wanting to take the gospel to the nations. Or maybe, Lord, I've not been faithful to give or to go. Or, Lord, just would you forgive me? Four, pray for change in ourselves and others. God, give us a desire that all people would hear and know this gospel. Give us that desire, God. Let us seek after it. So I want you to see maybe just a few things today. Again, that this prayer brings about God's victory. Prayer brings God's victory against pride. Listen to this, verse 17. Hezekiah prays this. Listen, the king of Assyria has come to mock the living God. Hezekiah does not have the power to stop the actions of this person. Some of you, listen, you can't stop what they're doing. You can't change them. You can't stop that child or that wayward spouse. Or or you can't step in to, to keep that friend from doing that. Listen who can. Verse 23 of Isaiah 37. Whom have you mocked and reviled? Again, this is God's response back to the king of Assyria. Whom have you mocked and reviled? Against whom have you raised your voice and lifted your eyes to the heights against the Holy One of Israel? By your servant you have mocked the Lord and you have said, With my many chariots I have gone up to the heights of the mountains. Verse 25, I dug wells and drank waters to dry up with the sole of my foot all the streams of Egypt. God is opposed to the pride of the king of Assyria and he's opposed to our pride as well. Listen to a couple of verses. First Peter 5, 6, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that the proper time he may exalt you. I didn't, I should have copied in further. I don't know why I didn't, but verse 7 talks, it says, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to whom? The humble. Proverbs 29 and 23, one's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. God is ready to do battle with the prideful. The king of Assyria thinks he can raise himself up and has no consequences. But God's word says, I will bring you low. Some of you listen. You constantly pick and bully other people. You look for things to tear them apart. Making fun of them or whatever it is to pull out about them that's different than you or you think's not right. And you think that makes you feel like the strong one or the funny one or whatever. I want you to see from the text today that actually puts you in God's bullseye. God opposes those who are proudful and proud and beating others down. So today I compel you, humble yourself. Ask God's forgiveness. Do not be like the king of Assyria and keep going forward. Secondly, prayer brings God's victory by acknowledging that He is ultimately in control. Verse 16. O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, Enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Hezekiah is just acknowledging who God is. And I was shared this sometime back in seminary many, many years ago. And it was just a style of praying that's really helped my life. And maybe it's practical unto you or maybe it's not. And But this was one of those things that just began to help my life. I don't know, do you ever have times where you just struggle? You go back to your list of just... I want God to do this, God do that, God do this. And it's like, this gets old and dry and boring and the same, 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 same. This ACTS acronym, right, is just literally the A is for adoration. So if you just took God's text again, just praying His Word, just adoring Him that He's the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. God, you're above all others. 
You're above all other gods. God, I praise you today that you're not only the God of Israel. Your word in the New Testament says you're the God of Jews and Gentiles. God, thank you that you are my God. I praise you, God. Right? Enthroned above the cherubim. Listen, I'm not praying to an angel today. I'm not praying to another saint. I'm not praying to Mary. No, there's only one that's enthroned above all other spiritual beings, all other people. It is the one true God. You are the God, he says. You alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. And again, it's just further, just adoring there's time of confession, of just confessing your sins and acknowledging that you aren't God, that you've tried to do things your own way and they haven't made it very well. There's just that free time of confession and then thanksgiving where you begin just to thank God for who He is. And listen, God, you've made the earth and I want to thank you for what you've given me and thank you for sending of your Son and thank you, God, for loving me. And right, I mean, and then comes supplication. We begin to list the things that you desire for God to pray for. But do you see how it rejuvenates you? Now I'm praying to the God that's above all of the gods. I'm praying to the King of Kings, the one that's greater than any president, any ruler. I'm praying to the one who can not only change Greensburg, but also Zimbabwe. Like I'm praying to this God. So now when my supplication comes, it's energized, not because I've energized myself, but because who God is in his word, his character has transformed my praying. So adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, acts. Maybe that's a paradigm or something there that works for you. Again, this acknowledging that God's ultimately in control. Listen to what he says, verse 26. Have you not heard that I determined it long ago? I planned from days of old what now I bring to pass that you should make fortified cities crash into heaps of ruins. So God says, listen, Hezekiah, or uh, king of Assyria, right, Sennacherib, you think that you're in control, but did you not know that it's actually I was the one that determined it? You're actually caring about my plans. He says, listen, I'm the one that's actually in control. I mean, you're acting of your own pride, but I want you to know, listen, you think you're so big and bad, but actually it's me. I'm in control. Look further, verse 28. I know you're sitting down and you're going out and you're coming in and you're raging against me. My guess is that some of you in this audience as young people may have had some moments now that were like mine where you are sneaking around and your parents have no idea now i know with phones now you can do a little bit better of gps like where they are right right probably that's probably part of your deal maybe it probably should be probably be wise um just a bit of advice um but despite that even if you fooled it pulled it over your parents and you've snuck in that back window or you've climbed up on somebody's roof. I don't know who would have done that, but I've heard of people that possibly have done things like that, right? I mean, listen, there is a God, even if your parents don't know, there is a God who knows. Some of you as spouses, listen, you think your spouse does not see with that relationship at work. They don't see the text. They don't hear it. They don't see. But there is a God who knows you're sitting down, you're going out and you're coming in. So none of us are listening. We may be hiding it from our parents. We may be able to hide it from the IRS. We may be able to hide it from our spouse. You may be able to hide it from the church. But there's no hide and seek with God. Right? I mean, he plays. You may think he's playing along, right? Walking in the garden. Where are you? He knows where you are. He sees you. Because you have raged against me and your complacency has come to my ears, I will put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth. This was last week. That's what sometimes 
they did when they conquered people. Literally, they would put hooks in their noses and carry them out in a big, long procession. God says, listen, you're going to reap what you sow. What you've done to others will come back to you. I will put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth and I will turn you back on the way by which you have come. Lastly, prayer brings God's victory ultimately in Jesus. Listen to this. Therefore, verse 33. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria. Again, remember, all of this is rooted. Verse 14, you, you heard, you saw Hezekiah pray. Verse 21, you heard, thus says the Lord, because you have prayed to me. So all of this, listen, man praying, crying out to God and God hearing. Listen, this final culmination. Verse 33, therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria. He shall not come into the city or shoot an arrow there or come before it with a shield or cast up a siege bound against it by the way that he came by the same he shall return and he shall not come into the city declares the lord for i will defend this city to save it and this is i think this is right here kind of crucial here's why four he says i think two things one my own sake hezekiah you've come and you've prayed out to me and you've appealed to my glory you've appealed to my glory you've believed who i am in my word listen this is you some of you You've got lost family. You've got lost people in yours that you love and care about like I do. And so day after day, I said to keep coming back to the fact, God, you said it is not your will that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. That God, you are slow in keeping your promises. God, that's, listen, Lord, I know that you desire to save that none should perish. So I have to keep rooting myself there. I have to keep claiming those promises. God, this is your glory. You can save. God, you can do what our church could never do. You can, you can transform this community. For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake, for my glory. And for the sake of my servant, David. So the prayer hinges upon God's glory and also God's faithfulness, that covenant faithfulness to David. I scribbled this down when I was thinking about this. Today, we, and I mean me, and maybe you would join me. Today, we likely need to acknowledge that our prayers often have to do little with God's glory because our lives often have little to do with God's glory. Today, we, and I mean me, and maybe you, may need to acknowledge that our prayers often have little to do with God's glory because our lives often have little to do with God's glory. So there's this appeal to who God is and this God of this God of David that would do this great and mighty work. And Tim Keller in his book on prayer writes this. I thought it was just so encouraging. Prayer is continuing the conversation God has started in his word and his grace, which eventually becomes a full encounter with him. Listen to this. I thought that was just man. Like, oh, that's really good. Prayer is continuing the conversation that God has begun here in His Word and His grace, which eventually becomes a full encounter with Him. So prayer is the continuation of God. This is who you are in your Word. So this is how I appeal to God. I use His Word and I communicate with Him. I pray over His Word. I cry out to His Word. I look at His Word and His Word looks at me and my life doesn't look like His Word. So either I can try to stand on top of this word and all who do will crumble or I can bow in submission to this word. 
prayer, again, is that continuation of the conversation that God has begun in His Word that leads to the true encounter, full encounter with Him. It was Lottie Moon, again, who you heard earlier, who was there preparing to go to China, and she was battling internally. Should she go? God, is this your will for me? Soon it was God's Word through the Word of her pastor. When he preached of John chapter 4, verse 35, Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white to harvest. It was God's Word that convicted and brought the confirmation that God was bringing about this great victory through her. The fields are ready for harvest. It's time, listen, to come and go. The text records in verse 36 that God responds by sending the angel of the Lord who went out and struck down, listen to this, 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. When they wake up in the morning, there's all these dead bodies and they begin to run and flee. God did exactly what he would said he would do through the mouth of his prophet. Why? Because God is always faithful to this word. He's always faithful to this word. So listen, as we pray, as you pray, I want you to anchor there today and say, listen, God, I may not see the victory in the moment, but Lord, I know that you're faithful to your word. I know that only you can provide this victory. I know, God, that only you can restore what I'm crying out for you to restore. Only you can save. Only you can change hearts. Right. And so we might pray this victory. He who testifies to these things says, surely I'm coming soon. Jesus says he's coming soon. And look what we pray. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. It's the prayer of the church. Come, Lord Jesus. And so we might ask as we close and our musicians make their way. How does this coming happen? How will the end of the world come? Listen to what Matthew 24, 14 says from the words of Jesus Christ himself. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. We must begin praying that God will take, use us to take this gospel to all people. We must begin crying out to God in our prayers for His glory and the faithfulness of His name. That ultimately the sending of that faithfulness to servant David was the sending of Jesus, one who came from the house and line of David. God is always faithful to His promises. Because you have prayed, Hezekiah. You need to hear that today. Son, daughter, mom, dad. For your moments when you're weary and you're not, you're wondering, does it make any difference? Does God hear or care? You hear the word of God this morning from Isaiah chapter 37. Because you have prayed. You know what that means? we got to pray. Would you come with us? Come on. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come and we bow. Lord, there is no doubt there is many, many burdens in this room. Father, we come today acknowledging that only you can change these situations. Father, today, might there be a moment here that we look back January 13th, 2019 at 11.15 a.m. when you bowed your heart and you began to cry out to me there in that place. Here's what I did. Here's how I heard and I responded to your prayer. Father, today may your people cry out to you. For those who need salvation, may they cry out just as Parker Bonds did to you. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Cry out to him today. Lord, I pray that your spirit would do the mighty work in here. That no man or woman, teacher, 
parent. None of us can do. It is a work of God by the preaching and the proclamation of Your Word. So, Father, by the power of Your Spirit, draw people unto You that they would receive forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. I pray this for the glory of Your Son, Jesus. In His name I pray, Amen. We invite you to come and pray this morning. If you would talk, to talk about salvation or anything, Brother Todd and I would love to talk. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.